my dear friend, I am so thankful to have you here. I just am blessed so much. Would you please come? May God be with you, my dear friend, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody. You will be turning to Luke 14. I want to thank you all for having me down again. We're put up in a very nice room. We've been fed very well and enjoyed our time with you the whole time we've been here. And we're thankful. I'm glad the family got to come down with me. And I'm to send you a great hello from your brothers and sisters in San Diego that ain't here with you already. So, some of them come up and I'm happy. Luke 14. I was looking in Psalm 23 this morning. We've been going through the names of the Lord. And I thought, I may, I may preach from that. And there in Psalm 23 is all of the names of the Lord. Those seven names we typically look at. It's all there. The Lord provides. He's our rest. He's our banner. He's all those things. And it's right there in one psalm. And I thought, Lord, we'd have to just turn a whole lot. And I'm going to have to do some explaining and show you these things. And that can get kind of complicated, can't it? That's a, it's early morning. Everybody had a late night. You slept in, had a big breakfast. And I think, we'll just stay, I'm going to stay in one place. And I want to have a simple message. And I thought, what better message can I have than what the Lord gave? I, was, I want to read you one of his sermons. He went to a, a, a supper. <laughs> went to a dinner party. And he spoke to these people and taught them some things. And gave them the gospel two or three different ways. And I just want to read that to you. We'll look at it. We'll stay right here in Luke 14 this evening. This is our Lord's sermon. This is the only potentate. The authority. The only authority. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. The Godhead in a body. And He gave us a message. So, simple question, but it's hard. Would you hear Him preach? Would you hear a word He had to say? Or would you care for something else? Would something else be more important to hear or do than to hear what God has to say? I remember my favorite musician. I saw a video of him. He was on someone's back porch. He was at somebody's house. This wasn't a great big stadium with 40,000 people in it. He was at their home. And he was on the back porch. About 15 people sat around. Small group just like this. They sat around and he started playing. Oh, he started singing. It was just like the record. It was wonderful. And I wanted to hear it. I saw it on YouTube. Oh, it's a live one. And then people started talking. And they started singing along. And I said, hey, when's, when's Timmy coming over? And I was yelling at a computer screen. Hush! <laughs> Stop. If I was there, I'd have smacked them. <laughs> this is free. I want to hear him sing these songs. And this is Intimate. What do you think happened, was happening this morning? Exactly. Between God and His people, this is an intimate concert. He's speaking. If, he, if He's pleased to be with us, it's going to be a one-way conversation from Him to the hearts of His people. Would you hear it? Yeah. Or, or something else more important? Luke 14, verse 1. And it came to pass, as He went to the house of one of the chief Pharisees, to eat bread on the Sabbath day. They watched him. And that, you ever had somebody just stare at you? How you doing? And they just keep looking. I got something on me. 
you okay? That's like Job's miserable comforters, isn't it? For days, just come up and looked at him. Watching him. It's just odd, isn't it? Verse 2, And behold, what was they looking at? And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. That's great swelling of the feet and the limbs, sometimes of the face and the head. And in those days, it was deadly. They brought this man here. Now you think, here's a chief Pharisee. This is a big wig. If they had TVs back then, he'd have been on TV and every household would have known him. He'd have been famous. And here's this sick man. This undesirable disease in his home. Do you think he was there by accident? Yeah. Absolutely not. They staged that man, didn't they? They brought him there because they tried to trick him and they tried to catch him up in the words. And like we looked last night, they brought that woman that was caught in that very act of adultery to pin him and paint him in a corner. And now they said, well, let's just be quiet. We'll have a sick man. We know he's compassionate. And I'll tell you what, they knew he was able. They said, this is the Sabbath day and we're going we're gonna to get him. We're gonna get. They knew he was going to heal this man. They knew it. Well, it ain't knowing a thing, it's a knowing a person. Isn't it? Verse 3. And Jesus answered and spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is that legal? They held their peace. They just sat there and watched him. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway put him out on the Sabbath day? It's so easy for our natural state to look at this and say, This is how we accurately apply the law. This is the gospel. That's what he's doing for. Did he heal man? Yes. Did he do it on Sabbath day? Yes. So they watched him? Real weird, static? Yes, it is. But this is the gospel. This man with the dropsy, he's like cattle. God owns him. He bought him with a price and he healed him. Amen. That's what it showed him. Right off the bat. Verse 6. And they could not answer him again to these things. Is it legal? Ah. They had no words. Now these religious folks, these Pharisees, they sought to strangely stare at him, to trip him up, and they cannot. So the Lord's going to give them a lesson in humility. This is probably the first time they've experienced a little bit of it. He's going to explain to them what they're going through right now. And to all the people there. There's a whole lot of people at this big supper. Here's a parable of good instruction. Good common sense, and it's not too common to the self-righteous. Verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. When he marked out how they chose out the chief rooms, who sat where? He was watching them too. They thought he was they thought they was watching him. I don't know. The Lord watches everything and he sees the heart. That's what he's looking on. He looks on the heart. Verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, and he marked out how they chose the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, set not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden. Don't you go take the best table there is and the best seat. Because maybe, just maybe, somebody's a little higher ranking than you are. They've never heard such things. This is one of the chiefest of the Pharisees, isn't it? Somebody might outrank you. Verse 9. And he that bade them, bade thee, and him come, say to thee, Give this man place, and thou being with shame to take the lowest room. Don't, don't put it on yourself to take the biggest room there is and the, the best table and the best seat in the house because you're going to have some shame whenever you've got to walk down that lower room. 
Verse 10, but when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest rooms. You take the lowest position. You go wash the feet. That when they, he bade thee come, he may say unto thee, Friend, is that a capital F in your Bible? Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at me with thee. Our great redeemer, he ain't telling them where to sit at a dinner party. You get that? Our great redeemer is sitting at the lowest seat possible at that very moment. He's here on this earth. He spoke these words. And soon, this friend of sinners, this friend that's closer than a brother, that capital F friend, is going to be exalted. When this world's done, we're going to sit and eat and worship with him at that wedding supper. That's what we're going to do. Here's what the Lord said, verse 11. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He didn't come putting on airs and letting everybody know who he was. He went through, walked through the crowds, didn't he? He made himself unappealing, made himself unaware. But the Father's going to glorify him. He prayed there in John 17. He said, Father, I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You want to glorify me as you had glorified me before. Paul wrote it this way. He said, that, who, <clears throat> who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of that, God also hath highly exalted him. Friend, thou good and faithful servant, you come sit here. You come sit at my right hand. And given him a name which is above every name. That's the king. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, has a word for the head of that house. That one that bid his host at this get-together. Verse 12. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and recompense be made thee. This doesn't mean to never have your friends over. Don't ever have, don't ever have folks work over there. That's not what he's saying. He says you don't feed someone that's a peer or greater than you in the expectation that they'll have you over for dinner. I ain't going to have you over to my house and give you a cheese sandwich hoping you'll have me over for lobster. That's quid pro quo. This for that. Well, Lord, now I'll accept you, but you, you take me to glory for eternity. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not grace. Not indebting God to you or one to another. Here's the grace. Here's the good news. Verse 13. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor. Those that cannot buy anything. Those that have no possessions. They have nothing in their hand. And the maimed, those wounded, broken hearted, those lame, those that can't work, those that can't even make money, and the blind, those that can't even see the way to get to your dinner party. Call them. Christ instructs this one that bade him. He said, let me tell you how to proper supper. You make a feast. You make it. You pay for it. You plan it out. You make the feast, and then you call those that have absolutely nothing to bring to it. 
those that are wounded and contrite of heart, those that are lame, those that can't bring themselves, those that can't see the way and have no idea what the way even looks like, you call them. And what's the result of having a feast and calling these kind of people to it? Verse 14, And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Resurrection of the just? What? You mean the Bible's not teaching us about home economics here? You mean, you mean he's not teaching us how to entertain guests in our home? Of course he's not, is he? He's telling this pious rebel that puts on garments and, and has titles out in the streets and sits in the highest room. He's putting on airs. He tells him how God saves sinners. This is preaching. <laughs> you ever ate a meal? God, God will take you what you do three times a day and show you how He condescended to save sinners, to save His people. That's simple, isn't it? I won't be simple. I won't be plain so a child can understand what I have to say. What happens when Christ speaks, when He preaches in power? He's given a general call here. There's a whole lot of people there. All kinds of them. But He effectually spoke to one of them. Three times a week, John gets up here and preaches. The gospel goes out. That's the general call, what we're about to see. Come and eat. The Lord's giving them, here's the gospel, here's the gospel, here's the gospel. And every nook and cranny, he fit it. Everyone around there, he gives that general call. Just like at our Lord's baptism. He brought him up out of the water and the heavens opened. And the Lord spoke from heaven. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You need more gospel than that. How are you going to make God happy? Uh, you better be in His Son. His Son's all the thing He's pleased in. This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased. And on that Mount of Transfiguration, Lord had His apostles with Him. And He come and He said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And a command came with God, salvation's a command. And He said, Hear ye Him. You listen to Him. That's all one I'm pleased in. You'll listen to him. Not anybody else. He's the potentate. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Hear him. Amen. And they heard him. Didn't they? It says in verse 15, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Someone heard. Whole, whole mess of folks there. Someone heard. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. What's he saying? That one speaking to him. He's the bread. You're the bread of life. The one speaking to him. This is the kingdom of God. It's the Godhead in a body right in front of him. And to be with him. To feed on him. To live on him. That's a blessed man. That's a blessed man. People wake up, they got the nerve to walk through this nation every day. Hey, oh, have a blessed day. How's your day? I'm blessed. Put on bumper stickers and have it on lots of places and everything else. To be in Christ is what blessed is. Amen. To know Him. To feed on Him. To have to have Him. To eat, to live. I need Him. And then to have Him. If you need Him, you have Him. And that's blessed. That's what blessed is. He heard everything in this chapter so far. Christ heals the death that we are. He heals our dropsy. 
Our swell, our puffing up. That's what that fellow was. The Lord took all his puffiness out of it. Well, that's another. I'll do that next year. Uh, he strips us down, don't he? And sends us on our way. He's our rest. He's the humbled one that shall be exalted. And this is good news for poor, maimed, blind, and lame people. He's the resurrection. He's the resurrection. What does the Lord do to those? There's one fellow there. What does the Lord do to those He reveals Himself to? Those that He gives life to? What does He do with them? Verse 16, And He said unto him, He said unto him, Dwell on that. You think about that. Some people, folks say, well, I read the Bible in a year. That's too fast. You didn't suck it up. <laughs> That's too much. He said to him, All these people at this feast, all these big religious folks, all this, I've been going to church my whole life wearing fancy garments and so educated and knowledgeable. And they quote more scripture to you than I can. One man heard and the Lord spoke to one man. What if He'd speak to one person in here today? Oh, pretty. Just one. And then for me, what if only one of you showed up today? This whole place is crickets. And one person sitting out there, they don't care if I'm on the left, middle, or right. I'd have looked at them. I ought, out of a debt of gratitude, to stand up and, and give it all I have. And I said, well, I guess we'll just try again tomorrow. Absolutely not. If my Lord would go down and speak to one, what a privilege it would be for me if He allowed to speak through me to one. Amen. Verse 16, He said unto him, this whole parable, everybody knows, spoke to one person. He said unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. A certain man is Christ. He made a great supper. He bade many. Now this isn't speaking of the Lord's table. He hasn't instituted that yet. And this isn't speaking of that great marriage supper of the Lamb. We read about Matthew 22. This is the gospel message for that day. Whatever Sabbath day that was. Whatever it was. June 17th. I don't know. Whatever it was. That was for that day. And that's what the message is for our day. This message that the Lord, this, that He preached, this servant He preached, is for right now to you and me. Christ is that certain man. He's speaking of this message in our day. In this parable, the gospel feast is publishing of the bread of life that we must eat to live. This blood atonement He made and His human body that we must drink to never thirst again. Taking His obedience as our obedience. Taking His sacrifice as our sacrifice. Taking His faith as our faith. The faith of Christ. This great supper is the gospel of the grace of God. He bade many. It goes out. It goes out. And that's supper. It's supper. It's the last meal of the day. Because we are in the last days. Night time's about to fall. It's about to be dark. Everybody that's ever been on this earth is about to go to sleep. It's urgent. It's an urgent meal. This is a great supper because of who it was that purposed to make it. The one that planned it. It's great because he planned it. It's great because he's the one that made the supper. It's great because he paid for all the ingredients. He, it's great because of the price of that payment. His blood. That Calvary, that's what it paid. God turned his back on God. That's an expensive supper. 
We are bidden to eat and live because the Son of God willingly laid down His life for sinners. And He did it with joy. Oh, that crushes me every time I say it. Many were bathed. Some will say, well, for 4,000 years, Abraham, the Lord spoke to him. And there was one nation on this earth that came from him that the Lord spoke to. And that's true. Israel, they went through the desert. They went all over. Everything was given just to the Jews, that, that physical nation. They had the prophets. They had the sacrifices. They had the tabernacle. They had the law. They had the ordinances, the priests, everything. Sent just to them. That sounds special. They did not care. The old hat. We know that. Right, we'll check in once a year. We'll go down there twice a year or so. Is it Easter? We'll show up then. They didn't care. They despised the gospel of grace and the Lord turned from them. But now don't read these passages and say, well, we're just categorizing nations of people. Now, there's a this is what this means, and this is what that means. This applies to this. This is for me and you today. That's what he's talking about. This right. is what happens in, in Rescue, California, every Friday night and twice on Sunday. This is the meal that goes forward until the last seat is taken. This is what happens in every town where God sends one of his servants. It happens in you in New Jersey every week and twice on Sundays until the last sinner is brought to Christ's feet. And God speaks through His servant. A prophet will not promote himself. The Lord said that. I will. John Reeves is God's ascension gift to rescue California. He won't boldly say that. I'll say it for him. Clay Curtis, God Almighty, rose from the grave. And the gift He gave to Ewing, New Jersey, was Clay Curtis. He gave you to me. My pastor. How would we treat such a gift? What, what if the president gave you the gift? Eh. <laughs> well, you better be careful. You better watch it. The king is given a gift to rescue California, New England, New Jersey, and places all over this nation. Luke, Luke 14, verse 16. And he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say, he gave him a word to say to them that were bidden. Here it is. Come, for all things are now ready. Amen. That's my only message. We'll look at a whole mess of different texts, awesome things to teach people. The Lord has children and they ain't slothful. He's going to train them up. They ain't just going to sit and play video games of glory all, all for eternity. That ain't going to happen. He's going to train his children. But the message of that, no matter where we are in the text, is come, all things are now ready. Come, because... Everything is ready right now. There's nothing to be done. You ain't going to get there and have to shove cold keep the place warm. There's nothing to be done. Don't bring anything to this feast. You leave the almonds. You don't have to bring your almonds to Egypt. You don't have to bring nothing. Everything's provided. You don't have to observe the ceremonies of men. You don't have to wash your hands before you eat. Now, my children, whenever we go home to eat, you go wash your hands before you eat. But to, this, to this supper, don't do anything. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to put on a tie. You don't have to tuck your shirt in. You don't have to bring nothing in your hand. Come. Everything's ready. A certain man has made all by himself a great supper. Everything is finished. Come, or you're going to starve to death. 
Come and drink or you're going to die of thirst in the wilderness. Come. Come to Him. That's it. That's my job. That's the mission of this body of believers. That's John's mission to say, but, but for the folks that he's gathered here in this local assembly, that's your job. To tell everybody in this county, and by any means the Lord opens up, come, everything's done, it's finished. Now come on. Amen. We have a certain man, and we're to give it our all to tell others of this great supper. There's the purpose of this great certain man. That's the sending forth of his servant, declaring, come, the supper's ready, and you don't have to do anything. Then, there's a response to this general call of the gospel going forth. Verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. One consent. All in agreement, in solidarity, all began to make an excuse. Did they have different excuses? They sure did. But the heart that was behind it was exactly the same. Well, it right. sounded real good. It don't matter how it sounds. The Lord looks on the heart. And He said they all had the same consent. Well, it sounds so much different. It don't matter. The motive's the same. I want you to hear these excuses the Lord gives us as examples. I could add, we've been around this for a few, few days, <laughs> a few years. I could give you a laundry list of nonsense that you'd laugh at. The excuses people come up with. I'm just going to give you what he gave. And you see if these aren't ridiculous. I want to ask you a question after we look at it. Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, to this servant, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. And he said he did. I pray thee have me excused. I know some folks that's bought some houses over the internet. They didn't have the internet back then. <laughs> they didn't have Zillow and Redfin and all this thing. Realtor.com. I know some people that's bought a house. My friend bought a house over the internet. And he saw it on there. He didn't go see it in person, but he bought it. But boy, he showed up and it smelled funny. And there was a train like four feet from his back fence that run every 30 minutes all night. Horn blowing. He was not happy. And I said, you ain't mad at that realtor. You ain't mad at the people that own that house. You're mad at you. You're the fool. What's wrong with you? People say, I can't come to this great supper. I can't come to Christ that saves sinners and that's the bread of life because i got to buy a piece of land. I, ain't, I bought a piece of land and I ain't never seen it. Some stranger came and said, i got a piece of land. i got ocean property in Arizona. And he said, well, I believe you. And then I'll, how nicely, I pray that you have me excused. While I spit in your face and believe some stranger that sold me a piece of land I ain't never seen. Is that brutal? You'll wind up the hands of an angry God. And I ain't being mean about it, I'm begging. Come, the dinner's ready. I don't see them. I wouldn't ever man to be saved. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and go to prove them. Go to prove them. Go see how they do. I'm going to see if they're hot. I bought some oxen. Maybe one's got a leg shorter than another one. It, can't, it pulls to the left all the time. I bought an oxen. Maybe, maybe it's blind. Maybe it's sick. Maybe it's got some disease in its stomach. But I bought them and I got to go see if they're any good. I pray thee, have me excused. I've actually heard people say, I can't go to worship. 
Because I got dogs to take care of. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. No husband or wife should ever be forbidding to a spouse to come to Christ. If they forbid you, if they said, Now, honey, you ain't going down here hearing that gospel. And you say, I'm going out here to hear a person. He's my husband. You go hear him. If they ain't fighting you, and then you encourage them to be tender to come with you. But now this is the head of the house. Until just recently, <laughs> my lifetime this changed. Now, honey, not mean and not forceful. Honey, that's God. That's where God preached. We're going to go. I've come to Christ. And I said, what, what's God in you? It's not what, it's a who. And that may be appealing for that spouse. So they may hear too, Lord, but that may be the means the Lord used. But he said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. You tell her to get in the, the carriage and go with you. Come on, honey. We're going to the supper. And if you had a new bride, wouldn't you want to take her to a big fancy dinner? I thought about this this morning. I was walking laps around that motel. I'd like to take you to a fancy dinner, and I can't swing it. And if somebody big high up said, hey, you bring your wife. Come on. <laughs> He's going to have good food up there. Let's go. That's just foolish, isn't it? That's part of Christ's terms of surrender. He said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I ask you the question, what's a good reason to refuse to come to Christ? You got one? Is there a good one? Is there a good reason not to bow to him now? I mean it. This is it's supper time. Darkness is approaching. The end is near. You give me one reason why we not should we shouldn't turn to the very one that's life himself. There ain't one. And and what good excuse do I have not to attend where his his gospel's preached? That's well, hard, Kevin. I care for your souls. John cares for your souls as one that must give an account. He has to tell you the truth. I gotta tell you the truth. This is important. It's eternal life and death. It ain't just life and death. Eternal life and death. It's important. It's not that these people bidden could not come. It's not that they couldn't come with the land and the oxen and the wives. It's not that they could not come for whatever excuse you can dream up and stick in a sentence. Why don't they come to Christ? Why don't they come to the public worship? Of, of the Lord's Son where He's lifted up. It's not that they could not come, it's that they would not come. Now there, there's brethren that can't come. They are lame. They are maimed. We're going to see that. They physically can't. Well, they get lowered through a roof. <laughs> Better have some good friends bring. You do something. If you need it, like that one with the issue of blood. There were throngs around Him. And people get, we, me too, Get so upset if everything just ain't perfect in the in the, the worship of God. There's crowded up against him. Here's a sick woman that crawled on her hands and knees. You figure how many times her fingers got stepped on. She said, Oh my finger, I can't go no more. She drove to Christ. I gotta touch him. If I can touch him and his garment, I'm gonna be bruised, I'm gonna be banged up. That walk of faith, buddy, you're gonna have some rocks and calluses and burrs and thorns sticking in you and everything else. But if you need him, you'll go to him. He'll draw you. Amen. He'll break you. Verse 40 says, I'm sorry, John 5, 40 says, you will not come to me that you might have life. He didn't say you could, he said you won't. 
Verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. He gave an account. Lord, I told him. What did you tell him? Exactly what you told me to tell him. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. We heard that before. A few verses up. Why was he angry? When I was just busy. I was busy. You didn't kiss the sun. He said in Psalm 2, Kiss the sun lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. But a little. That's his only begotten son. You won't come? Fine. He's angry. You'll have to deal with him. And he says, you go and bring hither. Bring in hither. The poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Natural man doesn't like that. <laughs> Those that cannot come on their own. There's an effectual call. Those that are wounded, lame, blind, halt. The Lord comes and says, bring them. There's an effectual call. You pick them up, take them by the beds, do whatever it is, carry them, put them on the back. Well, I'm poor. Well, get in the car with me. You can ride on my horse or camel. We'll get you there. If you have a need, it'll happen. The Lord will make it happen. Religion don't like that. Natural man doesn't like that. And people didn't try enough. They didn't clean up outside the cup. They didn't do something. You know what religion says? The Pharisees and the scribe murmured said, This man receiveth sinners. And eateth with them. Yeah. Who do you think you're going to be out with this great supper? That purpose of supper, that made the supper, that sent his servant out to bid people to come, that brought them in. You're going to be eating with him. Harlot's a term that's almost a Disney character nowadays, isn't it? What if it's just, I mean, somebody that's swelled up, dropsy, and, and sores all of them, and a leper? Well, we won't go around somebody for sneeze a little bit. What if there's lepers in here? They need saved, don't they? They need Christ? Sure do. They say he, he doesn't just receive sinners, he eats with them. What good news it is if you're a sinner. <laughs> he ain't just going to allow me to be on the property. He's going to sit down and have dinner with me. Yeah. He's going to commune with me, speak comfortable to my heart. He's going to feed me, nourish me, provide for my young. Verse 22, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there's room. I've been asked all the hyper-Calvinists my whole life. <laughs> Arminianism is all door and no house. And hyper-Calvinism is all house and no door. And, and, and sometimes people ask me positions, my post-millennial positions, if I got to Google it, I ain't gonna give you an answer. If you need a thesaurus or an abacus to go to church, don't go there. Go somewhere else. Our Lord talked about having supper. We can get that, don't we? He says there, there is room. I'm to go and say, "Come, supper's ready." Did God elect the people? You bet He did. And it's a bold-faced lie to say He did. Does He effectually put it in the hearts of His people to save them and draw them to Christ? He absolutely does. Do I know who they are? I do not. So I stand up and say, Come! It's ready! And there's still room. What's that mean? The sun's still shining in. That's right. Are we still here Amen. on this earth? A faithful pastor, 
was in his kitchen one time, me and you there, and I said, boy, won't that be something when that last sinner is called to know Christ? And this world is over. It's done. Water up, throw it away. It's all going to burn. Gold's going to burn. The element's going to burn. It's all done. And he said, Kevin, you might preach to him. That made me want to crumble up in a ball on the floor and cry. And at the exact same time, I said, buy me a satellite. We're telling everybody, let's get this over with. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of the sin that I live in. Preach to everybody. There's still room. There's still room. Today's the day of salvation come so you don't starve to death. Today's the day of salvation come so you don't die of thirst in the wilderness. Come right now. Everything's ready. You ain't got to do nothing. Verse 23, And the Lord said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them. Come in that my house may be filled. Compel. Constrain. Show necessity. Necessity. This is necessary. Eternal life and death. And if God makes you realize that, He'll be life to you. You, re you rejoice. You talk about what you rejoice in and you do what you want. If I really want to go eat at McDonald's, I'm going to go eat at McDonald's. If I really want to go fishing, I, I can get a cane pole and some shoestring and make a hook out of a soda can. I'll go fishing. If you really want to come to this supper, you'll come. And, 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 and tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're hungry, you'll come. Like those folks we looked at last night. They was there in the morning, early at the temple, waiting for this man that spoke like nobody, no man ever spoke to hear him. We'll quit pretending like we're hungry. Like we'll have a snack. And we're going to go around and get some hors d'oeuvres. And we're going to show up and we'll eat. Because everything's ready. He said, you go compel them. You show them this necessity. That's what the Lord instructed us to do. All of us. We preach the gospel. Today, I'm standing up here. I'm the, I'm the rusty pot that the noise comes out of. I'm the jawbone of an ass. But we preach the gospel. We take this word and send it forth. He said, you, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go tell them what's done. Go tell them what's finished. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you believe there's a supper there? Well, yeah, that makes sense. I'll read it. You going to eat it? You obey him? What did he say? Take, eat. This is my body. Well, I believe that's your body. Ah, you, I'm... I had a Big Mac on the way over. <laughs> he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He said that my house may be filled. May be filled. There will be no empty seats in glory. There won't be. won't be missing a one. And there won't be somebody standing there to happen to slip in. <laughs> there won't be. He says in verse 24, For I say unto you that none of these, those men which were bidden, Shall taste of my supper. My old fleshly, sinful Pharisee that I was born as says, You need to come. Oh, that so and so ought to be doing this, so and so ought to be doing that. I apply it law, and that law of grace even we apply it to other people, don't we? If I can apply it to me, Lord, don't be don't let me be one of those that's bidden and didn't come. I can't walk unless you make me walk. I can't heal my own wounds unless you're the Lord that healeth. 
Give me a desire. I can't be hungry unless you give me hunger. Can't be thirsty unless you make me thirsty. Make me, bring me, carry me. I need you because I'm hungry. Are you hungry? If you are, He made you hungry. And He'll fill your bellies. Come to it. Everything's done. Something's ready. I'm a pretty big fan of lobster. <laughs> that blows lobster right out the window. I think of the king. The king who sat on his throne and said, you go get it. You go fetch. You go fetch Mephibosheth. Don't ask him. Go get him. And that's what the Lord does to us. He goes and gets us. Brings us to his table. Hallelujah. What a Savior, huh? Could you stand with me and let's sing that? Hallelujah. 4, 175. What a Savior. 